0: Hey, Math and Other Things listeners, this is Courtney Flessner, your host, and I am here today with Laura Tomas, an instructional coach from South Florida, who I originally met at the Building Thinking Classrooms conference in June 2023. Laura was one of the facilitators at our conference, and at the end of the virtual facilitators training, she said, I hope it's okay if I hug you because I'm a hugger. When she showed up for her volunteer spot, yes, she facilitated and volunteered at the conference, she saw me, introduced herself, hugged me, and we took a selfie. And this just exemplifies Laura as a human being and an educator. She's been in education for 32 years and simply embraces all she can about the teaching and learning of mathematics and talks to anyone she can to learn more. Her podcast, Learning Through Math with Laura and Karina is a favorite of mine to listen to. She and her co-host, Karina, interview guests and host a virtual book club. Even after 32 years, Laura realizes she still has so much to learn and jumps at the opportunity to do so. This episode is a little bit more about the other things in the teaching and learning of mathematics. She tells me three things that stood out to her from the NCTM and NCSM conferences in Washington, D.C. this fall, and we talk about how we, as instructional leaders, better understand our roles as coaches and consultants and how we transfer what we learn at conferences such as these to the schools and classrooms for which we're serving. Laura does an awesome job at summarizing her three standout sessions and thinking hard about three specific takeaways from those sessions. We talk about how we're both still learning or should I say relearning math, the importance of developing math identity of ourselves and our students the fact that it's okay to change your answer, and the fact that we can relate all things math to Ted Lasso, Friends, and Seinfeld, and so much more. You'll want to take notes on this one because it's loaded with tidbits for teachers and instructional leaders. Enjoy. Hi, Laura. Hi, Courtney. (laughs) How are you today? Well, it's Thanksgiving break. I have the whole week off, so it's fabulous (laughs) it is it's a good day to be relaxed it was like dreary and rainy here in indianapolis so it was a good hunkering down day oh it's like 85 degrees and
1: uh, part i'd call it partly cloudy but mostly sunny in south florida today
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay that's fine just rub it in that's fine (laughs) Um, All right. Well, thank you for taking this time on your break to do this. It really, really means a lot. No, Um, thank you for having me on. Well, if anybody I'm telling you, I following you on Twitter or just running into you in DC or at conferences, the way that you connect with people and want to know them and who they are and what they have to offer and how you, what you have to offer them is like, it's seriously inspiring. Like it just really, really is. And I even ever since, you know, ever since we were in D.C., if I'm like in a moment, I'm like, I have to take a picture. Laura would be taking a picture right now.
1: Do <laughs> You know, I have not debriefed anything with anyone, even Karina. I have not told her anything. And there's this one time that I was trying to get into four different people's sessions that I knew and I just wanted to take a picture with them before they started their session That's and I'm really literally running from room to room to room oh hugs hi yeah picture goodbye I'm not saying for your <laughs>
0: session sorry <laughs> I love it I think the only one that I took was with Skip Finnell is that how you pronounce his last name yeah yeah okay and we were chatting after his session. and um, and then I was just like, "I heard you at the ignite. I went to a session at NCSM. And then I was like, "I heard you at the Ignite, and I'm ready. I am ready to take on this challenge, Skip. got <laughs> this big He goes, "Oh, thank you so much for telling me that." He goes, "I have testified in front of Congress." And I was more nervous about those five minutes than I've ever been about anything in my entire life. And I was like, well, you nailed it. Cause I'm oh. ready. I'm here for it. And can we take a picture?
1: <laughs> Do you know where I found him? He yes. was, we were walking and I saw him and I was like, skip Laura. Cause we had done a zoom, a Google meet a yeah. couple weeks before, because I, I needed to pick his brain about coaching yeah. and which I was just yeah. like, Oh my gosh, I'm yeah. you know on a Zoom with him. And so I was
0: like, we gotta get a picture. Boom. And I gave him a big hug, and that yeah. was that. So he was so sweet. He was like, Yeah, we can take a picture. So he took it. And it's like a really good one. And then I'm like sending it to my colleague. I'm sending it to my, I'm like, look, like I could cry. <laughs> I know. <laughs> The last time um, NCTM and NCSM was in DC, I met Jim Hebert for the first time. He wrote the book Making Sense, mm-hmm. or he edited it, and um, that it's a 1997 publication, and it was like a life changing book for me. And I used it when I taught undergrads, and um, I used it in book studies and when I was a coach in schools. Like it, it, and it's like it's timeless. Like it's so good. And so after I went to his session and after I went to it, I walked up to him and I was like, I just wanted to say thank you for, for making sense. And he like paused and he goes, Oh, I'm like, yeah, it was a long time ago, but it's like a life-changing book for me and it, it's everything. And I told him all these things. And then I got like kind of weepy and I go, and I'm not crying. (laughs) I'm just really grateful. (laughs) I understand.
1: Because uh, I don't know if you heard my Joe Bowler story. But after I met her, and I I brought the original hard copy, uh, yep. the hard, hardback of um, what's math got to do with it. Oh, and as so I'm good. handing it to her to sign, she goes, a classic, like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, 2008, 2009. And when I finished talking to her and everything, I went back to my seat. And that's when I started crying. I was just so overwhelmed with gratefulness. Like this woman changed the trajectory of my teaching career. Yeah, And I had to let her know that. And there were several people I got to say thank you to at NCTM and NCSM. It was amazing. It was amazing. Oh my gosh.
0: Okay. So let's start just a little bit. I mean, you kind of touched upon it a tiny little bit about, you know, reading what's math got to do with it, but, um, tell us your math autobiography.
1: Okay. Well, that part, I didn't quite, you know, write in everything, but sure. in a nutshell, I was in that high group in math class throughout elementary and middle school, where I took algebra one and eighth grade, got to high school, went into ninth grade geometry, had no idea what was happening because uh, geometry, that kind of geometry is not math to me. Give me all the numbers and I'm good. And then my sophomore year, I went into algebra two trig. I think it was a semester of each, but who knows? It was so long ago. But then I switched schools. I went from the private Catholic school to public school. Mm -hmm. And when I got there, the guidance counselor told me, you should take analytic geometry and trig. And I said, well, I already took trig and geometry is not math. So put me in math analysis. (laughs) That's pre-calc. That's what I was supposed to teach over, (laughs) you know, at the other school. And I get there, and that includes my worst math memory that I wrote oh. down. I got a D for my first quarter report card because mm. math analysis, pre-calc, um, I didn't get it at all. Mm. I was that great memorizer, you know, mimicker, everything, but I didn't understand it at all. Now tell me how stupid grades are after hearing this. These are the four grades I got that year. D. B, C, A. No, there's no way I got an A. I don't know I, what I suddenly got it. No. Wow. Then I had to take the test to get into calculus. And of course I failed it because I didn't understand any of it. And I talked to my guidance counselor into letting me take integrated math, which I think at that time was a course that was kind of everything from sixth grade to trig all in one course. And that was my first teaching experience because all the kids around me, I was teaching them Mm. because they hadn't, you know, taken a a trig course or geometry course or whatever um, at that time. And then I took the CLEP test, which they still have those around. It's kind of like an AP test, but without taking the whole course. And I got enough points that when I got to college, they gave me my two classes. Like I got enough credit I didn't take one math class in college.
0: Wow. Yeah. What what was your major? Was your major education? It was, yes.
1: I went in as deaf ed and elementary ed, but after my first year, I changed it to specific learning disabilities and elementary ed. So the only math class I took was methods, elementary methods of math. Wow. So I get out of college. My very first teaching gig was at the middle school um, and special ed math and science. And I was like, okay, I can do this. And I did it for seven years. And then I went to elementary and I've been in elementary ever since. But now Florida, Mm -hmm. we have this law that says, if you're going to teach the advanced sixth grade math class in elementary school, you have to be either five to nine certified or six to 12 certified or you have to have the parents get notified that you're out of field. Well, I'm the math coach, so technically I'm not the teacher of record, but my principal wants me to get that certification and let me tell you, I'm afraid of taking that test. Is it are you in a K to 6 building? No. But we have we have advanced math okay. for 3rd, 4th and 5th graders.
0: Man, that's not that's I understand. No, I don't. That, you, that I well, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I didn't even let you finish your thought. No, I understand that you're afraid like like what's going to be on that test, like what yeah. what's going to happen. I wonder because I have spent a lot of time reteaching myself all the math. So And I need to do that. Right? Literally like 12 15 years, I've been reteaching myself elementary mathematics and like really understanding the progression of math and, and concepts and operations and how they all connect and how to attend to precision and all of the things. And, and I, and, and I love it. Like, I love thinking about that. And then I had a moment where I was like, okay, now I have to start all over with middle school and high school, because I feel like if I use what I've learned relearned taught myself <laughs> mm-hmm. in elementary mathematics I might be able to start to make some connections and that has been fascinating well I'm trying I haven't even started I thought
1: about it for a year already about trying to relearn all the middle school math stuff and it's I I want to do it sure you know but uh,
0: I don't know this I just made a goal of like and- <laughs> I just made a goal to like sit down for like five or 10 minutes every day and just do some math. Okay. Like, that's, that's doable. Yeah. And sometimes I'll get so wrapped up in it. It ends up being more than 10 minutes, but maybe just start there. That's a really good suggestion. Thank you. Because I, I, I can't
1: do online learning. That's not yeah. my jam at all. I need to sit with somebody. Mm-hmm. I need to do it myself. I need to talk about it with somebody and yeah. not just have a computer program. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. Yeah. That doesn't help me at all. Yeah. Me personally. Just No,
0: I hear you a hundred percent. And there will be times that I'll go on and I'll try to like watch somebody else do it like on Khan Academy or something. And <laughs> that's I'll be what like, I was thinking. of. I'll be <laughs> like, but there's no, where is the why? Hey, thank you. <laughs> that's, that's what I need. I need the why. So, but that's good. Okay. So you're an instructional coach. That's where you've gotten to, you're thinking about getting your license that you have to get or that you've been asked to get.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And okay. So what's your favorite math memory? My favorite math memory has to be
1: when, okay. So this is year 32 for me. I think it was around year 25. I went to this workshop and Dr. Tim Jacoby, uh, who's amazing from UF at the time he was i don't even remember what the topic was but i finally learned how to do different bases and we used the two color counters to figure it out and i was like that's it like Mm -hmm. i totally get it Mm -hmm. uh Whereas when I was in college doing the math methods courses and the teacher was just teaching it all abstractly. And I was like, I don't get this. I, Mm -hmm. this makes no sense to me, but you know, 25 plus years later and somebody brings out yellow and red counters. And yeah, that, that was one of, one of my favorite ones, but there there's also another one. So that same professor And I think this was probably a couple of years before that we had a a grant Palm Beach County had a grant with UF and they had this whole STEM initiative for three years. So maybe it was at the beginning and we were working with a group on, it was the, the snail well problem, like how many days, you know, the snail goes up and then goes back down and so on what day does he reach the top of the, of the well and our group figured out something. And then we, we all had to put our chart paper up and, you know, then we'd sit down and another group would get up. And as another group is explaining, I literally get up with a marker and I start crossing things off on our chart paper my, by myself. I go up and I don't know, there's probably a hundred plus people there. And he looks at me and he says, what are you doing? And I said something like, I'm changing my answer. Because I, I got to listen to what other people say oh, I and I'm love like, oh, that. That makes so much more sense. Yeah, I don't like the way we did it. So I'm going to go revise our thinking. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, made a
0: memory. Made a memory That's for him great. too. Because the next time he saw me, he remembered who I was. Well, and imagine how many people were sort of sitting there watching that, including him and thinking, should we let our students change their yes. thinking and after they hear from that- others? that's before like we were quote allowed to do that. Right? right. Yeah. So yeah, I'm definitely a math rebel for sure. It's important. It's important to be a math rebel. And I, I, but I really like that you pointed that out because I think that it's those experiences that we give, you know, teachers when we're doing professional development with them or for them, or we're in their classrooms or whatever it might be. And they like, literally experience what you want their kids to experience. Yes. And that's so valuable. Um and they it starts to click, you know. I think it's what happens next is like a big part of the you know, the question. Um but I love that that happened for you. And there were probably lots of people in the room that saw that. Mhm. Very cool. So, okay. So what do you have a first math memory? The only one I could really come up with was, I think this
1: was, well, I know it was in fourth grade because of the room. I I specifically remember that classroom. We were out in the portables and that was when the star charts were up and you got your gold star when the teacher ran through all the math facts quickly one-on-one. And then you got your Gold or silver star or whatever, and I think it was my elevens, and maybe it was my fours. I don't even remember now what it was, but you know, I didn't answer it like this, so I didn't get my gold star for that particular time,
0: and I was crushed. I just don't. I just, I cannot believe how many people. I wish in the past fifteen years. I had kept a tally somewhere of how many people I've encountered whose first math memory is related to a time test Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's not, and it's, it's usually not positive. Sometimes it is. Sometimes people are like, but that's rare. I loved those like bring on the stars. I always got them. Um, but it's very rare. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's they're mm-hmm. in so much of the work that we do. Right. Yeah. So, so one of the reasons why I wanted to have you, um, mostly because it's just really fun talking to you and hearing from you, but also we, we were both, you know, we were both at NCTM and, and, and and we did like Ryan and I and, um, uh, Melissa McCain and Brendan, like we did a couple of like, quick episodes at the end of the day out there, like what was sticking out to us, but I wanted yes, to I listened able... to those. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be able to talk to people like later, like what, mm-hmm. it, what are you remembering? And, and this is also, we're also on the cusp of the making math moments matter. Did I say virtual, that right? Summit. Making yeah. math
1: moments that matter, virtual math summit. Yes. Right. Which that I one. think I re- I wrote down, I think I attended like six or seven. Yeah. Wait, maybe it was eight. Yeah. Eight. And yeah. I got to the point of zoom fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, I think it's really nice that they have the option to be able to, you know, to purchase, to have them longer, but I'm like, I'm going to power through here and watch right. as many as I can and not pay the $29. But I literally woke up this morning, like, Hmm, really wish I would have seen. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and I'm sure you can still go on and opt into that and all of that, but um, yeah, so, so that, but it was really interesting for me to have a couple of weeks between, or almost a month between those two, mm-hmm. to sort of reflect on like, what's really standing out to me now after listening to folks this weekend mm-hmm. and spending time listening to so many people in DC. So one of my big questions In the roles as, you know, a coach or in the sort of consultant role that I do, like, how, how do we take what we learned and transfer it to Mm -hmm. classrooms or to our own work, you know, because we're positioning ourselves as, as, you know, instructional leaders who work specifically with teachers and, and administrators sometimes, but how do, and so we learn all this stuff, but then how do we get that back you know, and how, so, so I wanted to sort of talk about that, like things that were really sticking out to you. And it's not that you have to have the answers (laughs) right (laughs) right now, but it's more like, what, what did you learn that you want to figure out how to, how to take back or, um, you know, give to teachers in a productive way. So what, what's, what's a, what's a session or something that stuck out to you from either one of those conferences? Okay. I haven't even finished like debriefing myself on all of this,
1: but I went through all of my notes and I wrote down three sessions that I think really touched me in a way that I was like, okay, I, I have to take the information from here and get it to the people (laughs) at my school. Yeah. Um, in a way that's easy for them to understand. So the first person I wrote down was Crystal Watson. Mm -hmm. And that was the closing keynote at NCTM. And her session title was, I don't belong. And I think it was super powerful in the fact that it honestly, it doesn't matter what color our skin is, what our gender is, what anything is, but that we all do belong in math class. And she had five big takeaways which I'm just going to go over really quick with Mm -hmm. everybody. The first one was, you see me. And she said, you need to see each child every day. And there's so many times when we, and I'm putting myself into this, we don't because of all of the other things that are happening within the school or within a teacher's classroom. It's sometimes very hard to connect with each kid each day. And I know that doesn't sound Like it's a problem, but it is because of all the other crap that teachers have on their plates. Yeah. The second one is I see myself and I love how she said, you know, allow stories and tell, tell stories. That was like the big thing about that. And I'm finding more and more and more that when I tell stories, whether it's to kids or to teachers, it's a different level of listening and engagement when you tell a story than when it's just, okay, here's the first thing you need to do with the kids. Here's the second thing, but put it as a story, and it's it, it is more engaging, but I think it helps people relate to each other more. Yeah. Then the third thing was others see me. And the thing I wrote down next to that was let them talk. So again, be quiet and let the kids do the thinking and the talking and the building and drawing and writing, right? Because that's my little mantra. (laughs) Uh, The fourth one was I am valued. And the note I wrote next to that was make space for multiple ways to show learning. And how many times, and right now I'm reading productive math struggle and and I'm just like, oh my gosh, all these parallels, right? Where stop saying it's not even saying here's how to do it. It's, it's showing kids, here's my thinking. And then in turn, they interpret that as here's how to do it rather than let them productively struggle and figure it out for themselves.
0: Yeah. And I love like, that's such a great connection. That's your next book study, right? It is. Okay. I need to fill out the form for that, but that's such a really cool connection. One of my favorite things about that book is the, um, the emphasis on identity and like what we're doing in classrooms to create a culture where kids feel like they can be successful in mathematics class. And I think that you're making such a really lovely, you know, um, there's a crossover here between crystal Watson's five things and, and that piece. So I realized that you brought that up yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I am just (laughs) telling you that I love that you did that. (laughs) Okay.
1: And then, uh, thank you. And then the last one she said was, I can grow. Mm. And the note I put that with that was create counter narratives about math ability. Mm. Right? We have to like, not just think and say, oh, you can do it. But the kids have to not only believe it themselves, but do it themselves. Sure. You know, I always go back to the, you know, how many of you can swim or how many of you can ride a bike and blah, blah, blah. Well, what am I going to do? Am I going to get on the bike and pedal and do all of these things and then expect you to know how to ride a bike? No, you have to get on the bike and start trying it yourself. Right. Yeah. yeah so I, I loved Crystal's keynote. That was awesome.
0: Well, and I also, this past weekend in the virtual summit, I kept, I kept hearing the terminology story. Like, what is, what is this, what is your story? What is the story in math class? What, what is the story of how the math is being learned? And I love that, but it, it go, like, I asked the question, like, what do we want everybody's math autobiography to be? You know, and it doesn't mean they have to be teachers who love teaching math or coach instructional coaches who love coaching it or college professors or whatever. That doesn't mean that the story that that has to end the story. But like, do we really want every kid's story in math class to have a first memory of a time test, even if it was a happy, successful feeling? Is that really what we want kids first memory to be like, do we really want their memories to be about the grades they got or the tutors their parents had to hire or, or not understanding a concept and not being able to test into a certain class and whatever, like, is that what we want the story to be? And I think that that that's my, that's my barrier is the answer to that question is you are not going to find very many teachers who say, yes, I want everybody's first memory to be a time test. There's not going to be a lot who say that, but the barrier is how do we get them to make this shift? So that's not the story. That's my barrier. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're having this conversation, but mm-hmm. I, I love all of that. Thank you for sharing that about crystal. So what what else? Okay. So
1: the second one that I chose was Brooke powers. And this was at NCSM, which was coaching for success. Five leadership lessons from Ted Lasso. Now, I I, I, yeah, I mean, I could not, not go to that one because Ted
0: Lasso, right? Right. So you there did were a not, lot of Ted Lasso references right, in Washington, DC for real. I have not watched it. It's <gasps> I'm going to, I know, I know okay. Christmas break you're just going to binge it. Okay. I, that is a very excellent idea. I will keep you posted because I know I need to. And after, and like, I'm, I'm starting to like get the references because because so many people have said it, (laughs) but that doesn't mean I shouldn't watch it. It's like, it's like reading cliff's notes, right. Or spark notes or whatever it's called. Right. Yeah. But, um, I understand I need to watch it and I will, but I love that that is one of the things that's coming up for you because I really have, that's something that resonated with me from DC was I need to watch Ted Lasso.
1: <laughs> so I'm not even going to be joking when I say in my notebook of all of my stuff, I started re, when I started re-watching Ted Lasso, I started writing down Ted Lasso phrases. I'm not kidding. Do you see it right there? Yes, Ted Lasso it. phrases. And there are so many that after the third one, I was like, I, I can't keep doing, like, I'm going to rewrite. I just might as well email Jason Sudeikis and say, could I just have your script so I can just highlight?
0: I think I might do that, you know, because there are so many I good believe things. that you will, and I believe you will meet him and get your picture taken with him I and hug it. him. Yep. I believe it. Okay. <laughs> mark my words.
1: Okay. Well, these are the five leadership lessons that I wrote down and I didn't write a whole bunch of extra stuff with it. So I'm not gonna be explaining all of them, but the first one was embrace identity, including your own. And here we go back to identity, right? Yep. (laughs) The second one, which I'm sure you've heard this a hundred thousand times, be curious, not judgmental. Yeah. And have you even seen that little clip with the darts <laughs> about no you haven't i mean <laughs> even on your facebook reels like that's probably somewhere
0: i'm really i'm really i am going to be fluent in ted lasso next time you we you
1: are <laughs> like we could just speak
0: ted lasso it's just like <laughs> if we could i don't know or do you watch friends
1: or did you watch friends and yes. seinfeld yeah so you and i could have a complete conversation <laughs> just using <laughs> phrases from there yes i love it so we'll just add in the Ted Lasso phrases. Perfect. The third one was empowerment breeds confidence. Yeah. I like that. Empowerment breeds confidence. And then the fourth one, which I really have to email Brooke and say, help me out here because it says, don't keep your eye on the ball. And I forgot what she talked about with that, but I'm sure it was something super enlightening. Like maybe and i'm just spitballing here maybe it was like stop looking at test scores and because that's the ball and concentrate
0: on all the other stuff yeah or curricular calendars
1: oh pacing guides yeah those things yeah and then which that's a whole another episode cast yeah (laughs) and then the last one was be open good ideas come from anywhere and when when you watch Ted Lasso, you will totally understand that reference. Yes. Now, Courtney, do you are you a Star Wars fan?
0: No. Okay, but have you
1: have you seen the original four, five, yeah. and six? Yeah, okay. or, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. When Those I was a kid, I watched that. Yes, Four, Five, and Six.
0: Those okay. were the originals.
1: Um, so I, I saw a, I don't know, an interview or a documentary with Jason and uh, I forget who whoever else wrote the script with him, but they kind of did it. It's a three season thing and they mirrored it after the three uh, episodes, four, five, and six from Star Wars. So again, there's an extra little reference for you to to be paying attention to. Yeah. <laughs> but well, my work there was, cut out for me. You do. There's <laughs> one more thing that I wrote down and I wrote also, which I wrote that in my notes. So this wasn't one of the main things, but Teach with integrity, not fidelity, right? Like, can we throw that word into the garbage, which I'm talking about fidelity because, you know, stick to the script and all. No, we got to teach with integrity. Do what we know is best for kids and not stick to the quotation marks in the, well, they used to be teacher's guides, right? But no, now they're scripted curricular. Mm-hmm. curriculum like what yeah so I loved that about Brooke um, and her session and then the last oh did you have any questions about
0: that one before I move to the last one like 400 but I'm gonna let you keep going okay okay
1: <laughs> <laughs> the last one I want to talk about is John San Giovanni and Georgina Rivera and by the way it's the first time I met Georgina which um, she was one of the Pro, she was the program committee chair i think for NCSM and i did not even know that oh so yeah shout out to georgina and everybody who put on the conferences oh as you know and as i know conferences are all about logistics and i feel like both your btc conference uh-huh. and ncsm and nctm conferences were so seamless that it it just, listen, I also have to give a plug for FCTM, which is Florida Council of Teachers of Math, because our conferences are also amazing because of all of the little things that are put in place ahead of time. So thank you for, for all of that. So anyway, their session was called, yes, I can leading for student agency in the elementary classroom. And they had eight uh, bullet points for that, or eight big ideas. And the first one was bump, but um, foster identity and community. <laughs> yes, right. What what kind of do you see a theme happening here? The second one was pursue agency by nurturing choice. And again, back to Jenny Bay Williams and John San Giovanni's figuring out fluency books. Like, you know, it, we have to. Teach them the strategies so they can choose the strategies, right? And then the third one was support discussion, which again, you know, that's the whole, let's listen, have the kids listen to each other and talk about things. The fourth one was focus on number sense each day. And oh, that's been a uh, a barrier of mine to have the teachers actually do something number sense related every day. And I, I think when we come back from Christmas break, I'm going to make sure that in every PLC, every faculty meeting, I have them do yep some yes. kind of number sense routine. Do the math. to Yes, to do the math. And that, that, that way, a- as they get more comfortable with it, then hopefully that'll make them more comfortable to do it with the kids.
0: It's, it's so, it's so important that as leaders, we have the teachers doing the work that they are intimidated by. I don't know if intimidated is the right word. If That they are unfamiliar with. It, they're reluctant. They're unfamiliar. It's new. Like have, like, we have to have them do it like a lot. I, I Even one of my specialists I was working with last week, not one of mine, one of ours at Keep Indiana Learning, we were sort of talking about it. She was planning a reading one. I'm like, have them do it. Like have them do this activity. She's like, I don't know about time. I'm like, it. the time is so valuable. It's so worth it. Just have them do, have them do it, take them through it. And I just think that that's such an important piece of the puzzle when we're trying to give experiences to teachers. So I I think, you know, right now at my school,
1: I started a book club with building thinking classrooms and our first meet was two Fridays ago. Mm -hmm. And then our next meet will be the week after Thanksgiving that Friday. But I decided that's a good starting point to have them do the math. So I I had them, I had them do the seven dots from Joe Bowler. Yeah. And I just said, how many dots are there? Took it away. You know, they said seven and I said, okay, how did you see it? And I, on the next slide, I had tons of little versions and as they were explaining it, I was coding it to like, if, you know, I They asked me at the end, how did you see it? And I said, well, I saw the six on the outside, like the diagonals and one more in the inside. And they were all like, oh, but they all, everyone had a different way to see it.
0: Yeah. You want to know what I've started doing is like, I will create an image on my own or like I'll doubt, like I'll download one of like Kristen Acosta's visual images or one of Fawn um, wins, um,
1: you know, visual patterns, visual
0: patterns or something like that. And I'll like look at it or, 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 I'll do like a dot pattern on my own or whatever, but I won't find the answer. Like I won't do it first because I don't want to be, I don't want to, to skew. Yes. Yeah. I don't like, even want to be able to ask the question to skew. Now I'm not saying that teachers should do <laughs> the teachers should do that, but it's been a really interesting process for me as a learner and understanding the power of listening to people and how they're thinking about it without having a preconceived notion of what I expect them to say. And that's been really interesting. Um, And I, I, yeah. So yeah, it's been really interesting to do that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The next one I wrote down was celebrate and reward persistence. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those, you know, have the brag tag on the kid saying, I messed up today. Ask me how I you know, how I messed up and fixed it kind of thing on there. <laughs> yeah. I love <laughs> on, that. You know, on a lanyard. And then the next one was restructure the structure. Oh, that was the, I do, we do, you do is do do slide. And he definitely put on the poop emoji, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, um, so he's like, if you have to do this, restructure it and do, we do, you do, I do, which You know, that's part of the framework of BTC, consolidation at the end, right? Right. The next one was make agency about each and every student, right? Yep. Yeah. And then the last one was, and going back to your skip uh, fennel part, was take action. Yep. Right? Because if we don't do something about it, all of this was for naught. Right. Right. So thank so you for welcome. forcing me oh. to think about the sessions for real. You're
0: welcome. I need someone to do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just kidding. Um. Okay. I love this though. And I love that you just ended on that because like, so what to you to, for you, like, what's your action? Like just right now, I know it can snowball or turn into something different over time, but what would you say is your action to, to reach your, your teachers that you work so- with?
1: I wrote down three, one from each of the sessions and John and Georgina's, I wrote down, give them lots of tools to focus on number sense each day. Mm -hmm. So that that's one action that I want to take for the teachers. And then for Brooks with the, um, Ted Lasso was to remind them and share with them, be open, good ideas come from anywhere. And when we say anywhere, I'm thinking from the kids, from the kids, you know, (laughs) Yeah. And then from crystals, the one thing I'm going to shout out is let the kids talk. Let them do the talking, because we all know whoever does the building, drawing, write, writing, thinking and talking is doing the learning.
0: We know this. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh, Laura, this is so good. This is so good. Wouldn't it be fun to sit with every single person that went to the conferences and do this? Yeah. And I, now you've got me thinking you really
1: do that maybe after the productive math struggle book club is over, Karina and I host a let's meet up and, and discuss, you know, on a Saturday afternoon kind of thing, uh, sessions from NCTM or NCSM. I think that's going to be super important.
0: Okay. Thank you so much for this. We have to do it many more times. I don't think it's totally clear like how, I don't think people are totally clear on how much just knowledge that you have and just like watching you think Think? through zoom. Yeah. Like watching you process and like think And like draw conclusions and reflect and like reflect on your reflection. It's really cool, Laura. I'm serious. (laughs) So I hope we can do it again. Please. Let's, let's definitely do it again. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So there you have it. Laura Tomas big takeaways from NCTM and NCSM, although I am sure you'll hear many more as she debriefs with Karina on her podcast, Learning Through Math. I wrote down so much as we were talking, and while I was working on producing the episode, what's standing out to me right now is how important the making of memories are. Whether it's how we remember math class, our experience at a conference, a virtual conversation, whatever it is, take the time to document. Take the selfies, write the notes, share the notes, share the selfies. Laura has a selfie with everyone she wants to remember. Her notes are deep and thoughtful. She takes the time to share what she's learning about and how to best share those reflections with those around her. The thought we put into experiences for teachers and students is what makes the memories impactful. Truly, I'm so grateful to Laura for allowing me space to reflect on this notion. You can find Laura on X, formerly known as Twitter, at, at ITeachTheY, and follow their podcast at Laura and Karina. And don't forget to check out the show notes for other links, including the famous Ted Lasso dart scene. Speaking of making memories, have you been to KeepIndianaLearning.org lately? We're offering so many opportunities for teachers and leaders to learn and grow in amazing ways. We have quite the lineup in 2024. Live events for the teaching and learning of mathematics and literacy are available, as well as many opportunities for counselors and school administrators. Don't miss out. Check us out at KeepIndianaLearning.org. We are also just starting to put together our summer lineup, which will include MidCon, a conference especially for middle-level teachers, counselors, and administrators on June 26th and 27th in central Indiana. Check out the road to MidCon starting in January with Rick Wormley. We're also hosting this conference in partnership with the Indiana Middle-Level Education Association with keynotes by Rick Wormley and Jennifer Gonzalez. We're also hosting a one-day reading summit on June 13th with keynote Chase Young, co-author of Artfully Teaching the Science of Reading. These are don't miss opportunities for all. Sign up for email reminders at keepindianalearning.org. If you're not following Math and Other Things on X, formerly known as Twitter, please do so at at and mathandothers and find us on Instagram at mathandotherthings, where I've been spicing it up a bit with photos and reels from school and classroom visits I'm doing. Special thanks to Keep Indiana Learning for making this podcast possible. Make sure you're following them on all social media platforms. And finally, thank you. Thank you for listening, thank you for sharing the podcast, and thank you for all supporting the incredible profession of teaching. And as always, to all the educators out there, thank you for all that you do on a regular basis.